perfect spice choices for healthy food is important to manage chronic diseases. We have focused on a specific line of spices that can really fit your diabetic lifestyle. Our spice flavors are a game changer. We have created unique blends of all-purpose seasonings that are salt-free, gluten-free, with no additives and preservatives, great for chronic conditions like high blood pressure, obesity, and heart disease. These spices contain antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties, and improve digestive function and metabolism. Choose Diabetic Cuisine Spices for your family to feel more safe, confident, and support healthy aging. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Transparency Talks Podcast. I am your girl, Butter B. Rocka. Listen, we have an amazing show for you today, but before I bring on my special guest, I do want to remind everybody that my new single, Time Stand Still, has just dropped. It dropped, it dropped on Monday, so make sure that you go and get the song, get my single. The visual will be dropping on the 28th. Also, everybody knows that I just executive produced, directed, and wrote my first film, Finding the Perfect Guy. That will be premiering on April 2nd and details will follow. So without further ado, she is an award-winning writer, producer, and actress. You've seen her on Sisters, on Saints and Sinners, on The Oval. She's been on a little bit of everything. Can you guys please show some love to Miss Kay Singleton? Hello, beautiful, how are you? How are you, gorgeous? I'm happy to be here. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. Um, I like to dive right on in. Can you tell everybody a little bit about your background? Oh, gosh. Um, well, surprisingly, I was in marketing for a long time before I even got into acting and writing and producing. And so I loved working for luxury liquor brands and, and building brands and, and doing different ad campaigns. And then I kind of fell into acting when I did this random audition and got the part. I was terrible. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I need to really um, take some classes. So while I was in LA working with uh, Moet Hennessy, I actually got a chance to take classes at Stella Adler, ended up getting a scholarship there and training with Ivana Chubbuck um, in Los Angeles. So it kind of really ignited the bug. And so I moved back to Atlanta and you know went full steam ahead wow okay so you came from the corporate world yes then moved into the acting okay you got your bug from doing a a film that you said you was terrible i'm sure you was good yes. but you got your bug your acting bug now you lived in atlanta but you did you move to la yeah so i moved to la for five years but i okay. was still working though in corporate america i didn't actually start booking on a regular basis until I moved back to Atlanta. Okay. So that goes to show you, this is the new Black Hollywood over here. You can really do some things. Because while I was out there, I was still, you know, doing events, doing the Grammys, the SBs, the film festivals, working with the brand. So yeah, it was when I moved back here is when things really started taking off. One, two, three, woo! I just don't understand how you say him my man, but won't tell me you love me. And you, you still don't have a plan, haven't taken my hand, and by no one above. Can't keep playing house You're the only one winning 
Listen in to any of the stations by going to butterbiraka.com. That's B-U-T-T-A-B-R-O-C-K-A.com. Follow me on all social medias at Transparency Talks Podcast, also at Butterbiraka. And subscribe today to my YouTube channel at Transparency Talks Podcast. How was it transitioning? I left corporate in 2007 to pursue music full time. And it was a big transition to go from the corporate world. Oh my gosh, I was terrified. I mean, having a, a regular check and benefits and all these things to come out here and then be on your own, not knowing if you're going to, you know, book the job and having to rely on auditions and having to think of the little side hustles you can do. So it was terrifying to quit, but it was necessary as well because you really, especially in this business, you have to give it your all. Um, and especially because I had a short amount of time to reach some goals because, you know, women, we got a little ticking clock. So I was like, you know what? I got to get into this as, as and just dive head in. And, you know, by the grace of God, it, it all worked out. And this is very inspiring because you, just like myself, you bet on yourself and you went for it. And not only did you go for it, but you got the training to make sure that you had the proper tools to do what you needed to do. And I think that's very important. Can you talk on how important it is to 
to study and, 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 and get the tools that you need. Absolutely. I think especially if you're coming from outside of this world, you're not nepotized into it. You have to be able to say, hey, I put in the work to get in front of this camera or to get in that writer's room, especially with and, and I'll talk about writing in a second. I took two years of writing classes here in Atlanta before I even got my first project before I even did my first short film. And I think doing those classes taught me how to structure you know, scripts and how to structure film, whether that be for TV or for features. And without that, you know, without those classes and without that structure, those scripts would have never have been as successful as they were and been able to take off. And so the importance of, hey, I wanna be taken seriously in this industry as a writer, but live in Atlanta without the proper training, I wouldn't have been able to do that, right? Because most writers, they live in LA, they go through the writing room system out in Los Angeles, and then that's how they end up, you know, becoming, a, they start as a writer's PA and then a writer's assistant, and then they get in the writer's room, they're a staff writer, and then they're the lead writer, then they're, you know, hopefully the showrunner, and then they, it's just that there's a strategic path that they normally take. And I went outside of that path and, and did my own, but it was because of what I learned in classes here that I was able to do that. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I think I jumped all the way to, to the end part because I went from writing songs to writing plays to, you know what, I'm going to do my first feature film and just went for it. But I didn't go, I didn't go the traditional route. And it sounds like you, you went you didn't go the traditional route, but you you did get the classes. I, I probably should have got some of the classes. I'm gonna have to well, do myself. And don't get me wrong, some people have a natural talent for it. Some people have a natural talent for acting, a natural talent for writing. It just comes from within. I needed that because I was trying to figure out like how am I gonna do this series and where did the five acts come in or or am I, am I doing a six act structure? It was a difficult thing to jump into, especially because it was TV. And so I needed to have like that discipline. But I say all that to say, there are some amazing books out there too that can get you on the right path. So however you get it, whether it be online, whether it be YouTube, whether it be books, whether it be masterclass, however you can get it, get it.
directing more I'm actually in some uh, classes now but I think being able to create a world as a writer and see these characters flourish and seeing their arcs and and you know the different tone just the creative process of it all is something that I can never replace and so I think right now that's number one but it may dip back to acting later and it might dip back to director so we'll see but definitely writing right now and just being able to create yeah I, I, I can feel that it's telling your story and it's no better feeling mm -hmm. than seeing the seeing the people that you've chosen or your cast have chosen your your people have chosen for you to see your characters and everything that you wrote come to life Tell me about that experience because you wrote your own project, The Covenant, yes. that got picked up on All Black. I want to talk about I was that. Over there. <laughs> right, right. I want to talk about that experience. I want to talk about you know how you came up with the concept, all the, the good stuff. Oh my gosh, Covenant, and and I'll say this was one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life, and it was a blessing. It was a lot of trials at the same time, and I think it allowed me to to mature in a way that I never thought was possible in this business. Now, the journey of it though, um, it was overall, it was beautiful. Did it have some rocky moments? Did it have some times where, you know, I felt like the world was against me? Absolutely. But, mm -hmm. and so I'll, I'll start from the beginning. So when I first did a project, it was a couple short films, got them in film festivals, the checklist and, and Gaslight was the next one. And I was like, you know what, I think I can do a whole series. So I actually developed mm, six different series a political drama. Uh, this one, which is an anthology series, a sports drama, a comedy, a dark comedy. It was so it was a portfolio that I took into uh, this network and, you know, pitched all of them. I was like, I can do every single one of these. And this is, you know, what I want to do. Surprisingly, um, when I pitched it to All Black, they first chose about four that they were interested in. And they were like, okay, send us this four and we'll decide what we want to do. And that's why I stick a pen and put a note right there and say, always be overly prepared. Hmm. Don't just have the one project. What else can you do? Because that might be the next question. Well, what else do you have? Hmm. So have several things ready to go and queued up. So they took a look at the four and ultimately um, they decided to move forward with Covenant, um, which was different than anything else that they had on their network at the time, because it is a faith-based anthology series. And so once that got the green light, now you have to write the rest of the season. Because mm. think about it, this was during the pandemic, A, and then B, because this was, I was a first time showrunner, the budget wasn't that high. So you couldn't even afford a, a writer's room. So now I have to sit 
down and write every single episode, which was excruciatingly hard because you have to jump into, you know, six different worlds. Mm-hmm. And but it allowed me to grow as a writer as well to be able to switch gears to be able to fully cultivate a world a, a society a people a character or this or that and then to switch gears and go into something completely different so essentially it was like i think we shot um four different stories essentially it was like doing four different movies in that um, time period and we showed them in two parts and so once we went through the writing process and all the scripts got approved, then you have to actually go to pre-production and principal photography and then post-production. Oh, and then, you know, legal deliverables and all these things. And then you can, you know, have your red carpet and your premiere and all these things. And then in the midst of that is when I got um, the Oval, which was a blessing as well. So it was all in the middle all at the same time and I was just trying to keep my head on straight. We taking another pause for the cause. This your girl Butter B. Rocker. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the world premiere of my new single, Time Stands Still. Make sure you guys download it, stream it, add it to your playlist, and tell a friend to tell a friend. This is Time Stands Still. Time stands still. Time I get next to you. Still when I'm by your side 
If you like the show, then make sure to share your favorite episode and subscribe to the Transparency Talks podcast. Now that I've taken a step on the back end of it, it is. It's a lot of things that you have to do that no one really understands. But when you do the back end and you have to do the writing and you have to do all these other things, it gives you a whole different perspective, for sure. Because I went into it thinking, oh, I'm going to have a writer's room. Right. And then when I saw the budget, I was like, oh. <laughs> Let me reboot. And then we were also in a pandemic as well. So it was like, okay, sit tight, sit in this house and get it done. And then in the middle of that, you know, doing sisters and then doing oval and staying in the bubble on um at the at the studio, it was just it was a roller coaster. It was, it was a great roller coaster, it sounds it was. It was a blessing. And honestly, you know, without the oval and all these things, I wouldn't be able to, you know, be sitting where I am today because it kind of helped the whole process. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'll always be grateful for that. How many episodes did you end up having to write? So we wrote uh, of that of that particular show mm-hmm. um, six episodes, but we shot four. Okay because they were elaborate. They had a lot going on. But um, so, and I'll tell you the good news about the last one that we didn't shoot in a second. Um, So we shot uh, four of them, split them in half. And that's where you have the eight episode season because they were these epic stories that were almost like movies. Mm. So we were able to have enough footage to say, okay, each episode averaged around 38 to 40 minutes, even Mm. though, and that was a half of one. Gotcha. So they were over an hour each. So yeah, it was, so we shot for Road 6. And then the last one is, I don't even know if I can release this, but um, just between you and I, there's a movie coming really soon. Wow. And I cannot wait. And when I tell you there's some heavy hitters involved, and some people that you'll never believe, but it's going to be fire. I can't, I can't wait to film it. I can't wait for it to come out. So we're filming in May. It's, honey, I'm excited. I'm excited for you. That's awesome news. Can't wait to when you officially announce it and, and when you have your premiere and it airs and everything. I'm, I'm very excited for you. Oh, you'll yeah. be there. I, I'll send you an invite. Yes, ma'am, please do. Okay, so what was your process of securing your first production deal? I know that you pitched, but when you pitched, what did you have to bring? Did you have to do your pitch deck? Did you have to do your 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 um, log line? Like what what all did you have to bring them? And so that was a process I had to learn too, right? And so when I started pitching, I put together a one sheet. Um, which is basically uh, everything about your show, whether it be the log on, the premise, the synopsis, and the genre and all these things on one sheet. But right. then when you have that second pitch meeting, if they're actually interested in it, and like I said, always have more than one that right. you're pitching. When you have that second pitch meeting, then you start talking about your show Bible. Mm. And your show Bible is going to have not only the log line synopsis premise all these things but it's also going to have what who are all the lead characters let's describe them um what does your show look like not only in season one but in season two and three what's the arc of the seasons what's the Mm. arc of see and then fully describe season one and then do a full outline of your pilot and then also let's talk about the tone and let's talk about the structure and let's talk about uh how music will play into it and so it's really breaking down how your entire series will be and it can range anywhere from 10 to 50 pages depends on you know how much information you want to put in there and so that was the next step that i had to have the show bible done and the pilot needed to be done and approved and if once they take a look at your pilot and they take a look at the show bible and your uh once you combine then that's then they might ask you for an outline as well for the pilot not not if you actually have the script but it depends mm-hmm. but you have to have all those materials ready to go and wow. because i at the time i was like well i don't trust myself to just explain it the way it comes out in my head. So I put together all these elaborate graphics to go with it. All mm-hmm. this art. You're a creative visual. 
Yes, I was like, this here, here you go. It can tell its own story. Mm -hmm. And so they were so busy looking through um, the the artwork and the graphics and the things that I didn't have to talk about it as much, thankfully. Because <laughs> at the time I wasn't as comfortable, you know, doing it with the spiel. But it's uh, it all ended up working out. But yes, being fully prepared with all of that information um, when you're in that room. Because the last thing you want to do is to not have it. Right, right. I have for my for my first feature film, I have some meetings coming up. I have the pitch deck and I have a couple other things, but I'm, I I must admit, I am nervous to actually have to go in there. I'm a visual as well. So I prefer that they just look at everything and I just answer a few questions, but I know that I am gonna have to speak and everything too, but I'm nervous because it's my first. Yes, and it's it, but that's a good nerve though because it yeah. actually pushes you to say, okay, this is something that's near and dear to my heart. I'm passionate mm -hmm. about it, so I'm going to make sure that it's good. Mm -hmm. And so those are good nerves to have because you're passionate about it. It's something you want to do, and you're an artist, so it's going to be good. It's going to be good. absolutely. I did learn that you do need to have, like you had just said, the what's next. So I did thankfully learn that before prior to me setting up these meetings that are coming into play. Um, so I do have six other concepts ready because I needed to be ready. Because mm -hmm. if you uh, if you already ready, you don't have to get ready. So. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what they already have in the works. You know, yeah. they might have some things that they've been working on that we're not privy to that might be similar to some other project you have. So just to have some variety is mm -hmm. always good as well. Taking a pause for the calls. This your girl, Butter B. Rocker. This is my friend, Vinny Kush, with No Cry. See, I couldn't even sleep last night. Yeah. Cause I was thinking, I was dreaming there was someone else holding your time. Wonder why you treat 
looking for that fire so if you got that heat and want international exposure for your next single contact our team for submissions details exposure in Italy London Japan South Africa Nigeria and Canada serious inquiries only on Instagram and Facebook at Transparency Talks Podcast. How important is it to not take the no so personal? Oh, I'm still learning. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> as an actor, you have a million no's, right? Because right. you audition all the time, all the time, until you get to the point where you don't have to anymore. But it's it's learning that these there's so many different factors that go into why they book actors that have nothing to do with you yep. whether it be you know your look your your age your height your weight your whatever or my their cousin had the role already or they already put out an offer or you know they, this was just a throwaway audition because they needed to have different you know uh tapes lined up in case this booking fell through like yeah. we have no clue what the the process is and where they are in it and so i've had to learn over time to take myself out of it this is just an opportunity don't even look at it as anything else than that and then throw it away when you're done because you it had nothing to do nine times out of ten it had nothing to do with you Mm-hmm. and the work that you put into it but all these other outlying factors that had you could be too dark too short too skinny it's too many things it's right. too many things that you can't control so just i had to learn to just put the best work that i could out there and then be choosy about which ones that you want to take the time to do because it nothing is worse than feeling like you put so much into something that you really didn't even want to do and it was a waste of your time and so be selective about, you know, the things that you put yourself forward to and know that what God has for you is for you. It's going to happen. Okay. It may not happen in the time period you want it to happen or the way you want it to happen or not okay. look or wrapped in a bow like you thought it would. But it's going to happen if your faith stake is true. So I had to learn that to take myself out of the equation like you is going to work out. Mm-hmm. You're going to be good. Whatever didn't happen, wasn't supposed to happen and keep it pushing. Absolutely. Great advice. Do you have a favorite role that you played to date? Oh my gosh. I'm having a whole lot of fun with Simone right now. But beyond Simone on on uh, Oval, it's definitely Serena um, on Covenant, which was in the first episode, The Promise. I think it was because in and I'll tell you this, I wasn't even supposed to play that role. I hadn't, hadn't written it for myself. I had a few other actresses in mind and I was like, okay, we're going to reach out to this one first and offer it to them. And I had all these ideas. And then when I spoke with uh, the VP at the time um, at All Black, she was saying, well, why don't you play that role? And I was like, first of all, she is supposed to be 45 and I am not 45. And she was like, no, but you can change the age. It's just, you should, you know, be in your project. You should play the role and you should be in like the the premiere. And so I thought about it and I was like, begrudgingly in a way, I was like, okay, I'll do it because it wasn't what I saw for myself. But when I tell you that role allowed me to grow in so many ways, emotionally and spiritually. And it just was, 
because it does touch on so many subjects that are so near and dear to my heart as far as infertility, as far as, you know, struggling in with a marriage or struggling to have a child and where your faith lies. And it was just so many things that it was like, it was the fear of, did I wait too long that I wrote into the script? That was my real fear. Mm. And so it, it came out in a beautiful way. And so that for, it always will be the, the top one just because it was so close to me. Mm -hmm. Definitely had a great time. And, and Josie, when she went crazy on Saints and Sinners. Oh, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) How important do you feel it is to have more women and women of color telling their stories? Oh God, the, the highest of importance for me. And I'll say that because there's so many times when, especially now that we're getting more into this business where the people that are making the decisions are nine times out of 10, they're men. And most of the time they're not men of color. And so they're making the decisions on the stories that we're telling. And no one can tell your story better than you. No one can tell a woman's story better than her. And if we keep putting or allowing men to tell our stories, that's when they become watered down. And the stories, just like life imitates art, art imitates life. And so what people see, that's what they're gonna think is true. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be able to come to the table, to write our stories, to produce our stories as women and women of color, to direct our own stories, to act in, Obviously we need more black actresses working period. And just to, we have to be at the forefront. And and there's been some amazing women that have been doing that, like Shonda Rhimes, like Mara Brock-Akil, like Ava DuVernay, like Misha Green. And, and I just wanna follow in their footsteps because, oh, Gina, um, Gina Price Blackwood. I don't know. I feel like I'm butchering the name, but she directed um, The Woman King it's just so many woman, women, and of course, Viola Davis produced it as well, that I want to, I look up to and want to keep um, that going. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I gotta say, I'm, I'm truly enjoying this conversation with you and you are inspiring me even more. You give me that, that extra fuel and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> the mo- I can't wait to see this movie. It's coming. I know you gotta you gotta tell me some more about it and make sure that I can be in the place. But I love to support, especially women writers, as we you know try to get more into this mainstream Hollywood business. So absolutely, absolutely. It, it's tough out here. It is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of tough, speaking of tough, when you produced your film and wrote it and everything. Now I'm going off of experience with mine. It was very tough because you had a lot of people knowing that I was, I'm a first timer and you was a first timer with your situation. Mm-hmm. Did How did you put your foot down and stand firm on some of you know your decisions? That was a process. And yeah. I remember shooting the first episode where I didn't want to speak up as much um, not, and it wasn't this episode, but because we shot them out of order. But when we were filming, I didn't want to speak up as much because I didn't want to step on people's toes or I didn't want to come off as this angry or, you know, attitudinal black woman or whatever right. it was, whatever stereotypes there have been. But realizing later on the power of no and being able to say that and be steadfast in it and not offer any explanation. I think um, Courtney Kemp said it best is when she when she fully came into her power as a showrunner and you know where she was going into her enlightenment period, she realized to be okay with saying no, whether they be to, you know, white men or other executives or whatever or other producers that may be working on the team and saying, I stand in this truth of no. Right. I don't necessarily have to give you an explanation and being okay with that. And as the showrunner, like mm-hmm. this isn't right for the story. That's a no and moving on and not apologizing for it. Mm-hmm. So I think learning that power and being okay with my decisions and not letting someone else second guess my decisions because nobody knows the story 
better than you. Right. I think that uh, that was a process to get comfortable with mm-hmm. because you get so worried about how does the stereotype look of black woman because you they you know put us in a box of you know this is oh she got an attitude or she's too right. emotional whatever it is. No, it's not that. It's just it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and be okay with that. And it, it took me a minute to get to that point, but when I was there so many things magically happened on screen Mm -hmm. because the the story the truth of the story was there unapologetically right and sometimes if you know your stuff you know your stuff don't don't let don't back down on it whether that be in marketing whether that be in film and tv or whatever industry that you're in if you know what you're talking about it's listen i got it right right <laughs> and being okay with that. It took me a minute, but it was there's power in that. There's so much power in it. We taking another pause for the cause. This is your girl Buddy Rocker. You are listening to Mo Dre with Faded Love.
okay, so you're doing all these things. You're writing, you're producing, you're directing, you're starring in all of these films and every TV series and different things. How in the world are you balancing it all with your personal life and working? Oh my God, when I take, that's the biggest thing. I'm trying to work, I have a work in progress. And so I have made a commitment this year to take more time for me. Mm. because that's what gets lost in the sauce right more time for me to take more time with family with my loved ones significant others friends i want to take the time to do that because i think we get so caught up in grinding and pushing for this next step like okay there's the next i gotta get to the next level the next level that we forget to enjoy the moment yeah and and just you know self-care is is huge and I and I'm a work. I need to work on that. And so thank you for bringing that to the forefront. Like you know what you said you was gonna do. Mm-hmm. So this year, I need to focus more on that. And hopefully you'll see some things happen in that area, in that personal area soon too. Okay. So how do you keep yourself mentally and emotionally fit? Because you know this industry is very demanding take time for for mental health care um whether that be spiritually whether that be therapy i know for me i spend a lot of time breaking away i'm a um extroverted introvert so i can be around and be the life of the party and bubbly and hosting and whatever but i do need time for myself right i do need time to get to this quiet place and recharge because being out and being on stage or on camera, wherever it is, it's draining for me. Mm-hmm. And I had to realize that you need to take some time for you, for quiet time, for peace, for time with God, for whatever it is, but you need to zen and have that time for yourself because you can't constantly give, 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 give. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I got into a point, especially towards the end of Covenant, where I realized I had some PTSD. And it was like, I need to, I needed to break away for a moment and just be quiet and recharge. And then now I can get back to it. So yes, it's very important that we take time out for ourselves and to, to, to take a mental health check to see where we are mentally and emotionally and make sure we're okay. And if we're not, take the time to get it right. Mm-hmm. Take time for you. Okay. Here at Transparency Talks Podcast, I like to get as transparent as possible because people, I know for me, speaking for myself, they would see me on stage and everything and they see all the glitz and glams, all the places mm-hmm. I've traveled, all this type of stuff. And they don't realize, yeah, yeah, but you know, there was there was some trials and tribulations that I had to face along the way. Can you talk about and share how you overcame any of your um, transparency moments? I think for me, um, especially after uh, doing the show, there was some imposter syndrome that set in. Like, you know, are you even during it? Like, are you really supposed to have this opportunity? Mm. Are you um, good enough to pull this off? Are you actually, you know, a show whatever it was whatever these doubts this imposter syndrome that comes into your head and now it's like can you do it again can you do something that is highly rated and, and watched and and have great review can you do it again all over was that just a fluke and i so for me definitely the fear that comes from that imposter syndrome where you start self-doubt i have to keep i have to make sure i keep that in check because I do start to wonder, and that is not from God. And you gotta know that spirit of fear ain't from him. And right. so I have to recalibrate and like, no, you're supposed to be here. You've earned it. No matter what anybody else thinks, you right. earned it. Right, right. So don't let anybody tell daily. you that. I have to tell myself that daily because I have my moments. I'm like, uh, <laughs> what am I doing? You just yes. jump out of the deep end. <laughs> You're doing chick. <laughs> and so that's for me that that's part of that that self doubt when it creeps in. It's just mm-hmm. you know I'm and I'm hoping that that's just a right now and it's not going to carry into you know the future. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to be here. We got right. it. We're supposed to be here. Absolutely. So what's next for you? 
What's next is I'm shooting another show very, very soon. Um, I can't even release the name of it, but we start filming the first week in March. So I'm knee deep in scripts for that. I also, um, right now we're finishing up the any script revisions for the film, uh, working with an amazing production company and an amazing EP. And that will be the movie, the film <laughs> Covenant's first film of the franchise that we will be shooting um, this summer. We'll be releasing more info about that soon. So I cannot wait to announce it um, because the goal is to have it at Martha's Vineyard, but we're going to okay. see it. That's in August. Okay. So that is, I'm working on all of those things coming up. Wonderful. Well, I would like to congratulate you on all of your endeavors and wish you, of course, the absolute best. Thank Sincerely. You. How can people Thank reach you. you? Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, well, they can reach me on Instagram at K-A-Y-E dot S. Um, I also have a website for my production company. It's road106films.com. That's road106films.com. You can reach me on there. And uh, you can. there's a contact me page where there's an email. So reach out personally. I'm also on Facebook. So yes, please hit me up. Follow me. Come um, when we announce these things. Let me know what you think when you when we drop these trailers. Let me know too. So, and we'll support each other because I want to hear more about this movie. Absolutely, absolutely. I do have one more, one more question before we um, close out the show. Do you work with new writers? Absolutely. I think, and that's another thing that we're trying to put together with the city of Atlanta. This mm -hmm. whole we're trying to put together a writers coalition. So. Keep we'll, me we got to talk more about that. Yes. Really keep me posted. Yes, I will. Okay, well, with that, everybody, we are out of here again. Thank you so much, Kate Singleton, for being a part of the show. I know that everyone has learned a whole lot from your segment, and I thank you for your time. Ooh, so with that, everybody, you. we will talk to you guys later. Thank you. I'm slowly turning back to the person I used to be. I'm trying to stay on track, but I'm defeated by broken dreams, yeah. And my mama always told me I can be who I want to be. Well, so nobody can hold me, nobody can hold me. It's harder every day And the world wants me to change And be conformed to broken dreams But nobody told me that the road would be easy And I know Well, it gets harder every day world wants me to change and be conformed to reality But nobody told me that the road would be easy And I know